Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact, way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timalkov. Welcome. Well, I'm so pleased to host you here. And uh, Samantha is a former executive of Starbucks, uh, one of the great companies and, and dear company to me personally, apart from the great coffee you do. Um, you also have a great care. And I'm not sure how many people know about it, but I uh, would love to hear about you, Samantha, and uh, also about your experiences with Nestle and um, all the things that you are, you're doing. Uh, for making the world a better place. Yeah, so thank you for that introduction. Uh, maybe just to introduce myself a little bit is um, my name is Samantha Yarwood, and I've spent um, the last 20 years in different roles in strategy and innovation, um, specifically with a focus on marketing communications. And a large part of that, um, just over 15 years, was with Starbucks. And I look at Starbucks as um, my training ground, per se, in terms of what great leaders are, because I had a chance to work with a number of absolutely incredible leaders. Um, and at one point in my career, I reached a bit of a point where, um, to be quite honest, I was struggling. And I had run out of all of the tools that I knew that I had in my toolbox. Um, so I decided to go back to school to be able to kind of sharpen my tools and be able to give me some new ways of dealing with things. And I ended up at a school called Think, um, which is a creative innovation and leadership school. And what that really taught, yeah, what it really taught me is it gave me um, the words and the language to put to the leadership that I'd already experienced. Um, but also it helped me to articulate my vision a little bit clearer as well as what type of leader that I wanted to be. And through that, that set me off on, um, I'm going to say, a journey of wanting to understand leadership and wanting to understand how leaders could have a bigger impact in the world and specifically a positive impact on people as well as planet. Um, from there, I've done an executive master's in change and I'm currently doing my doctorate. Um, but where I've evolved to is I've really, um, and, and maybe I should just pause for one minute there because there's one moment in time that I remember kind of all the pieces coming together. And that was in, I think it was about 2008 and I was sitting at my desk and it was just before New Year's and one of my colleagues and I were talking and we were about to enter the strategic planning process where we looked at the business for the next three to five years. And as we started to talk through it, I looked at him and I said, you know, these are really good lessons. Why don't we ever apply this to ourselves? And this conversation ensued and we realized that we both worked within marketing, you know, different roles, but we had the skills that we were using to put like a vision, a mission, values together, et cetera. And we hadn't done that for ourselves. And that's when we really started to evolve kind of our leadership capacity. Um, and it was an interesting moment because since then I've discovered that there's a lot of other people who've been thinking that way. And there's actually some really great science behind it around how that can manifest. And the reason I mention that is because what it helped me do is get really clear on my purpose, which is to be a tool or a catalyst for change to help people um, reimagine the possible and have a positive impact on the world. And that brings me to where I am today. I've taken the learnings that I've had from being in a very 
incredible organization to thinking about how do I apply that to individuals and organizations and specifically working as a consultant with Shift Toronto um, and working with startups to be able to change the world. Amazing. Wow. What a journey. And uh, what was the how moment? What triggered this? You know, I'm really curious how, because when you talk about purpose and, and we, some people never find it during their, their life lifetime as well, but uh, um, when do you know you found it? You know, how did you kind of connect to it? Mm. What was the feeling? How did you get to it? So it's interesting because that, and that's a great question. Um, I just recently completed my thesis and my study was on leaders that act um, and decide to change for good. And, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because through my research, um, I discovered something that I would say is very reflective of myself. Um, I don't think it's that people never find their purpose. I think it's that they don't uncover it and they're mm. not conscious of it. So I don't necessarily think it's one moment. And I think your purpose can evolve, by the way, depending on where you are in your life. Um, but what I noticed for myself as well as um, others is there's little nudges through your life that might be indicating that what your purpose is. And a best, the best way I think to start uncovering that is to really get in touch with yourself and to start to understand who you are. Um, so by asking yourself the questions like, why do I do the things that I do? Um, how do I show up in the world? What gets me excited? And when you start to recognize that, you start to see some patterns. And to me, purpose doesn't have to be anything grand. Um, as an example, one of the leaders that I interviewed, uh, his purpose in life is to be a servant. He just, it's all about service for him. Um, and that's how he manifests in his life every day is being of service to other people. You know, you said something very interesting and, I, and I've heard this phrase and said, uh, greatness cannot be achieved by serving yourself. Greatness can be achieved by serving many. So when you said that, it's actually really kind of reminded me of uh, mm. um, how uh, how actually it's all right. Some people um, don't get me wrong. You got to uh, self care. That's important. But is there's a difference between self care in order to care for more? You know, like you have your uh, cup full, so you can really do a lot more and greater things. And of course, the, the selfishness that a lot of people kind of uh, you know stay with, and and this is. Um, the, the good news is that you can always get out of that state. You know, it's yeah. like the wheel. And I, I think on that, though, the interesting part is it still all comes back to self. So it's the different of there's um, in constructive theories of adult development, which is around adult form of mind. There's been a lot of studies done that leaders who have that higher form of mind actually are able to handle more complexity and also can facilitate longer sustainable change. But the interesting part of it is, is it all comes back to self. So when you're in those earlier stages, it's all around like, how much do I focus on the benefits to an impact on myself without taking other people into consideration or action, which is what you were just talking about, right? Like it's really kind of self-centered. And in those later stages, when you've started to understand yourself a little bit more, you move from that how you think others might perceive you or what others think you should do into like, how much of this is my own perspectives what are other people's perspectives and what is the full picture? So you move to kind of like this self-authoring mind um, where you're able to create the, your own story and separate yourself um, from others. So it's it's interesting in that it's 
as much as we talk about not being selfish, to really truly be able to give is you need to understand yourself so you can recognize what's yours, what's others, what's the teams, the organizations, et cetera, and understand how you relate. In your that, is, that is very interesting what you're saying, self-understanding and self-awareness. Um, it's a term, but, but it's so much more than this. Um, and, I, and I know you're deeply passionate about it, and, I, and I'm absolutely a, a great believer that if you self-discover and understand yourself, you, you can unleash your potential. Tell us more about this, because I know it's a topic that you're deeply passionate about. It, that's actually what I'm doing my doctorate on, is I want to understand that further and how that can potentially impact systems for what I imagine as positive change. Um, just with all the challenges that we're facing in the world today, I think we all have an opportunity to play a role, um, but to kind of also step up and to be able to um, tap into what it is that's really important to us. And one of the um, individuals that I've really been enjoying reading lately is a gentleman by the name of Ken Wilbur. And he has mm -hmm. the whole theory on wake up, clean up, grow up and show up. <laughs> um, but what I like about it is it intertwines kind of all of the philosophies and thinkings of different fields. And the way that I'm kind of thinking about it is that wake up piece is um, your spiritual connection. Um, mm -hmm. like, nobody will who's watching right now will know this, but we did a meditation before um, we joined the conversation and just being able to connect with ourselves. Um, and also I, I look at it as the energy as well, because we're all at the end of the day created from energy, right? So it's how do you resonate? How do you vibrate in that kind of piece? Um, the next part, which um, the cleanup is, I kind of look at it as young shadows philosophies. So if anybody's familiar with young, um, he believes in the whole and integral, integral, integrated self, um, mm -hmm. which also could be referred to as duality and like um, Eastern philosophies, mm -hmm. but it's all around. And shadow isn't a bad thing, by the way. It's just that mm -hmm. stuff that you push down. You know, that those things that you were told when you were younger, or even as an adult that, you know, don't do that, don't behave that way. Those actually might be really unique gifts that you have that nobody else does. So it's about uncovering those again and integrating that. Um, and then the next part is really about that vertical development piece. So when you're really thinking about how do you grow up is really starting to evolve you and your mind and your interactions from it being about you to being it about you and other, but even broader than that and thinking about organization, community, et cetera. And then lastly, it's taking all those pieces together and showing up in the best way you possibly can. Wow. Amazing. That's, that's really, um, gives us a, a very interesting perspective on that. And uh, what you have, when did you know you've, you've self-discovered yourself? You know, how, how do you kind of. Never. <laughs> <laughs> how does it feel for you? I honestly think that it's a lifelong journey. Um, I don't, I think you start the journey and there's different points and there's probably points where you, you know, stop exploring for a while and then maybe you get back on the path and I don't think it ever ends. I think it's a, cont a continuous quest. No, absolutely. You know, and, and I believe that's also, you can be anything you want to be at yeah. any moment of your life, as long as you're prepared, of course, to, to do what's necessary um, yeah. to, to, to get there. I, I love that you say that. That reminds me of, um, similar to you, I'm involved with um, some youth leadership programs. And there's one that's really near and dear to my heart, which is called Future Possibilities for Kids. Okay. And it's a coaching program where we take um, 
children between the ages of eight and 11 years old um, through a six month program to help them identify, you know, what they're passionate about, what their community needs, and then to create a program to give back to the community. And every week it's a one-to-one -one coaching session. And one of my favorite moments was when one of the girls that I was coaching said, anything is possible if you try. <laughs> you know, well, thank you for sharing that example because it's really good to hear of how do you care? How do you contribute, you know, and starting with, first of all, yourself, you know, how do you stay in that kind of uh, um, high, uh, really productive states, um, well-being state in order to give to others, maybe starting with yourself and, and how do you kind of uh, contribute to others? So that's a really good question that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And I have... If I look back to my childhood, um, when I was growing up, my parents didn't have a lot. And I didn't really know that, to be honest, because my parents were always super creative. And I remember one birthday party in particular where my mom, um, all the girls at the time my age were having birthday parties at the, like the movie theater. And I didn't realize what my parents can afford to take all of us to the movie theater. So my mom recreated that in the basement. And she gave us all tickets. And when, when people arrived at the house, they got their ticket and they went downstairs and they got their bag of popcorn. And it felt like a movie theater experience. And it was super fun. Like I would say probably even more fun than going to the movie theaters because we could talk, we could play. And, you know, as an adult, there was, I look back on that and I think that's where my mom helped me to reimagine the possible and to be very creative. Um, but later on in my life, I moved to Mexico at one point when I was 15 and I really recognized the difference between the haves and, and the have-nots. And I started volunteering in Mexico, and it's something that carried with me um, the rest of my life. I really believe that we need to be the change that we want to see, and that's in our work environments, um, but also in our communities. And so what that's inspired for me and kind of back to my purpose is I look at how can I manifest that and live that every day? So how can I contribute to individuals and their growth? Or, you know, how can I help with organizations? And there's a few different, um, I'd say, charities and organizations that I'm involved in. Um, but most recently, where I've been focusing outside of, you know, future possibilities for kids. And we actually created a similar program in the Netherlands a few years ago called Insight, but for older students, where we oh, take them to South okay. Africa, which is really cool. And that's still running. My friend Shauna does an amazing job with that. Um, but where I've been focusing over the last six months, I'd say, is more on helping individuals in my community. And specifically, um, in March, when uh, we went into lockdown in Toronto, um, the first few days were really, really difficult. I had to kind of pause for a moment because um, transparently lost all of the work that I had. And um, also we're going into lockdown. That's not easy. It's not easy for anyone. And I stopped and I thought to myself, hey, wait a second. I just did a master's in change out of anyone. I should have the tools to be able to handle a transition. I've also been through massive transformations within organizations. What do I need to do? And I kept going back to what are my values and what are my purpose and how does that manifest in the world? And where I landed was in two places is one is I started to think about the whole principles of Ikigai, which is, you know, what are you passionate about? Um, what does the world need? Um, what's your purpose and what you can make money at? I decided to throw that what you can make money at you know, out the window. But I started to think about what are those gifts and things that are unique to me that I can offer? Mm -hmm. And two things really unfolded. One, I really love food. 
So I started to do something called a cook along where I would cook every week and share recipes that I love with friends and they would cook with me. And it evolved into a sitting down every week and also having dinner together. Oh. Um, but I also started to volunteer um, delivering food to seniors who couldn't leave their homes because I look at, you know, I was healthy and able to still go into grocery stores. Um, and that's something that's continued. I do that almost uh, two to three times a week. And I also started volunteering at a food bank. And I wanted to be able to, even when I felt I didn't have anything more to give, I still wanted to be able to give something back to the community in a way that I could. Um, and then the other thing that I also did is I took all of the tools that I'd had over time and I created a 10 week program, which I offered to my friends um, for free, just to help them think about, you know, strengths, values, purpose, how do they reframe where they are to create a vision for the future, and then to look at some tools around reframing mindset, etc. So I think when it comes to giving back, and I'd encourage everybody who's listening to do this, is find something that you're passionate about, and or something that you don't know anything about, but you can offer your gifts to them, um, and get engaged. It doesn't have to be complicated. Maybe it's half an hour a week. Maybe it's half an hour a month. Whatever works for you. But you know, when I think about the opportunity to really have a gratitude practice, when you have a chance to give back to others, um, it's a wonderful way to really see how fortunate you are. I love that. You know, the, the care it doesn't mean sometimes doing uh, the biggest things you 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 know the world has seen, but actually small uh, those acts of small things every day it's like uh, what makes you fit is not going to the gym for nine hours uh, one day yeah. and that's it what makes you fit is going to the gym every day for 20 minutes or uh, in, you know for, for a long period of time and and same when you with the examples you gave us you know you've taken care of with your community to the person to the left of you to the right of you to your friends to really you know a simple thing from every day and that that, that makes your day that um kind of giving back and your day is great the day of everyone you interacted is is improved and and that's how you can spread um so it's really great to hear that and uh, especially in these difficult times um what i'm interested in is i'm sure some of, our, of our guests too at what point your care was put to the test is there a moment where it's because we we of course live in a, in a such a world and and sometimes um with corporate demands, with other kind of activities, we 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 really uh, uh, have to kind of stay honest to ourselves and and to our values, but but as well have to deliver on on certain expectations. Is there a moment, or what is the most difficult moment for you when, when your care was was kind of put to to the test? I would say, and I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, and there's actually, there's two points that I want to talk about on this. The first one is, I think when I was really put to the test was when my values were out of alignment. And when I was working with, um, so when I accepted a position a few years ago, I was working with one team that was very visionary and, you know, you were encouraged to try whatever you needed to, um, you know, test and learn. It wasn't about, as long as you were learning, it was never considered a failure. <laughs> And it was, an, it was a really incredible environment for somebody like me, very creative, likes to come up with new ideas, um, is very curious, constantly learning. Fast forward to the next team, and the next team was a little bit more operational. And it's still a good team, but very focused on delivering the business results and the operations of the business. 
And that's not the best environment necessarily for me. And I didn't recognize that at the time. And what was really challenging is the leadership styles and the difference in leadership styles. And if I had a chance to go back and do that over again, I think what I would do is probably look at it from a different perspective and try to understand it from their point of view versus always looking at it from mine and what was missing for me. And, and I think in that moment, it was a real learning for me around what kind of um, leaders I like to work with, um, what kind of individuals I like to work with, and what is the best environment for me to thrive in. And I think that's really important um, for leaders and or um, anybody in a corporate environment to understand is what is the environment that you can thrive in. And not every environment is going to be that. And I think sometimes we feel like every leader should work for us, that every role should work for us. And that's not necessarily true. No, that's very helpful. And and sometimes, it, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, and then the second point was, and this was a, this was kind of an aha moment for me in terms of the difference in the way that you communicate things and how you think about the business. And at the time, um, the business was, you know, it was not where we wanted it to be. And the president that we had at the time in EMEA was articulating you know, where the business was at and what we needed to do and did it very well. But it was very, I'm going to say, business oriented. And, you know, I think all of us left kind of feeling like, oh, we've got like a long way to go to be able to deliver those results. I don't I don't know that we're going to be able to do it. I came back to Canada around the same time. And um, the leader who was here, who I've I still hold to this day as potentially one of the best leaders that I've ever had a chance to work with. Um, had the exact same message to deliver, but the way that she did it was in a way that she was talking about um, the ability to have the right to invest in people. And it was about if we, you know, delivering on business results isn't about delivering on the business results. But what it allows us to do is to invest in all of the areas that we want to invest in as a business, specifically in our people, to increase our mental health benefits, to be able to increase education, and really was focused on what do we need to do to ensure that we can support our people. And it was a very different message and approach. And I think that's what it comes down to. And that's how we can get things right is when we put the purpose of the business first versus the problem, that's when we start to really get some magical traction. So if we think about the purpose, then we develop solutions. Then we can think about um, you know, the profit and how those pieces come together and how do we solve those problems. This is so um, helpful. In, in many ways, what some, a lot of people basically talk about the role of the leader. What is the, what does the leader needs to do? And, and of course, they talk about we care about our customers, um, you know, and first and, and the customer experience and everything. But in actual fact, um, the role of the leader is to take best care of, of, of the team of their direct team so they can take the best care of the team underneath and the team underneath so they can take the best care of customers and everyone else and and really it's kind of spreading that and and not having not having the fear to to deal with this and and a lot of organizations have implemented practices that somehow impact that so when we hear what you just said, the two different uh, styles and how they impacted the organization is, is really, uh, really good to 
kind of um, uh, understand what could make a difference. And you talked about some of the great leaders that you you have really uh, um, engaged with. Uh, one of one of the things that I'm curious to find out is probably who are the the, the top leaders in the world that you have personally been. I mean, living leaders, people that uh, you know with us today, um, and that are, that are actually had a privilege to work with. I've and I've been really fortunate. Where I think if I look at, there's four leaders that stand out to me, um, and and I do want to say that I also have a little bit of a different philosophy on leadership, mm-hmm. and I, I look at it more as the leadership of one. I don't think you need to necessarily be in a position um, that has an official leadership title for you to be a leader. I think all of us each and every day have an opportunity to show up and to lead. Um, Because if you actually look at what the real definition of leadership is, it's about igniting people and having people follow you. And that doesn't need to be an official position or official title. And I think there's many people that I've seen do that over time. But I I think what you're asking about is those people that have been in roles where they have had that responsibility. And and I want to go back to a comment that you made earlier, and that was around, you know, care for team, which I think is super important. Um, But one of the things that I also learned along the way is it's not just about care about the team that reports into you. It's also about caring about the team that are your peers, because I actually think that's where a lot of organizations are really super dysfunctional. And um, one, of the, one of the leaders that I loved working with, um, he at the time was the general manager of the business in Switzerland and really wanted to help us with our growth and development and brought in a coach. And I will never forget the lesson that he told us. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great example was he was a former NFL player and oh. Yeah. So he had a lot of experience around um, working with teams. And he said he took a lesson from working, um, like from being an FL player um, to also business and also his relationship with his wife. And he said the most important relationship is actually your peer relationship. Because when you get that relationship right, then the business functions really well. And if you think about that, even from like a family perspective, when two partners, whether it's a husband and wife, husband and husband, wife and wife, whatever the scenario is, um, as parents, when you're aligned and you're talking to each other and you're connected and you're making those decisions together, then the family unit functions a little bit better. Teams aren't any different. And, And that was a real lesson that I walked away with where I was like, oh, that's a really good point. Um, So from that, actually, as a team, we did a values exercise. Uh And and I think it's worth mentioning because that was a really good aha moment for a few of us. Um, There was one individual on the team that uh, him and I had had, we liked each other, but we didn't work well together. And we sat down and we looked at our top five values and we ranked them. And that conversation changed our working relationship. Because what we realized is my number one value was accountability and responsibility. And his number one value was family. So at the end of the day, if we had a project to work on, I would stay until whatever time, because accountability and responsibility was my number one driver. But because family was his number one driver, if it was the end of the day, he wanted to be home for his family and his child. So it's it's not, it's just understanding that. And when you get to know each other, you can really function better together. 
Um, but back to your original question around the best leaders that I've worked for, um, the first one would have been my VP in Canada of food service. And he taught me the gift of learning, unlearning, relearning, and investing in your team and supporting their development. And um, to make a oh. long, yeah. So to make a long story short, living, no, learning, learning, relearning, and investing in your team and their development. Wow. Yeah, it was, he was, when he started in his position, he asked for 360 feedback. And he got some very candid 360 feedback. And I have never seen anybody, first of all, be as transparent about the feedback they received, but also really work hard to listen to the feedback, try to understand where it came from and change their behavior. And he taught me that like at that, he actually was the first person who supported me to get 360 feedback, um, which the first time you do that, it's, it's a little <laughs> disheartening because you have a moment of when you hear it, you're like, <gasps> um, and, but what it did is it really helped me where I've become a lot more comfortable with feedback What's interesting is if I look at the different leaders that I worked for, where I think that's now evolved to, um, with the last leader that I worked for in Canada, Rossanne, um, she really taught me about the importance of having a growth mindset in all that you do and supporting your teams, but giving feedback on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. feedback isn't, to me, isn't about good or bad. It's about having a conversation in the moment and discussing what you can learn from that moment. And I think that's something that I've really taken into my practice and my learning on a daily basis. Um, but the second leader that I worked for that I think probably had a really big impact um, was when I was in Switzerland. And what he taught me was the value, again, of that team and that team connection. And I have never seen anybody orchestrate um, a team more successfully than he did. And, and I remember at one point, we were sitting in our meeting room and anytime a new team member joined us, we had to go through kind of our ways of working and what that meant. And I think it was probably the second or third time I was sitting through the presentation and I literally was like, this is so boring. Why do we need to do this? And I didn't realize the beauty in it at the time, but now in hindsight, it was expectation setting. So we were all aligned on how we would work and operate together. And it wasn't that we had to get along, by the way. It, that was definitely not um, that we had to agree with each other all the time. In fact, um, I would say that discussions were definitely encouraged. But what we did have to agree to is that we would always align at some point. And when we aligned, that was, we were all in, moving forward in that direction. Didn't matter whether we agreed or we disagreed. It was like, this is what we've aligned on and this is how we're going to move forward as a team. So that way we're consistent in our messaging and the values we brought forward to the organization. Um, and then I think the next leader that I worked for um, that really had an impact was a visionary. And I mean, and I mentioned this before, just very creative, um, rethinking things, challenging the status quo, um, but also really going back to the values and the culture of the organization and making sure that we truly lived that on a daily basis. Um, and that was um, absolutely an impressive transformation. Um, and Michelle Gass was the leader at the time and working wow. with her was just such an incredible learning opportunity. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the last leader that I worked for, just her 
her, her view on growth mindset um, and really empowering her people to be the best they can be, but also truly meaning it. And I think that's a difference. There's, mm. And I think that's a really important thing to touch on is you need to bring your authentic self into everything that you do because people know when it's not you. And if you really genuinely care and are of service, then that really resonates and that helps people to really bring their best selves to work and to self-actualize. And there's been a number of studies done on this where, you know, we talked about this before about the individuation or the self-actualization. And when you're able to do that, there's been numerous amounts of studies that actually show the positive impact, not just on the individual, but the organization from both a culture perspective as well as business results. Well, this is some amazing, uh, really, insights you're sharing. And thank you for the perspective, especially of taking care not just of your team, but also the peers. You uh, you know, just made a lot of really sense and say, you, if you actually function well uh, with your peers, you all the teams considered to be the child of the organizations actually can uh, follow the example because you, you set the example. And, and maybe that's that's where it starts. And uh, that's such a... The, the other thing is about the team strengths that you are sharing and how to set expectations and communication. I think this is uh, such a great um, and, and such a valuable uh, lesson for, for many. Completely. Wonderful. It's, it's, I'd call it um, emotional capital intelligence. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you've shared already a lot of insights and what are the tools that maybe you could recommend or you use basically uh, to to keep that um, energy, to keep that care, to keep that flow um, for you personally? For me personally, um, it's really simple, to be honest. I have a chalkboard in my kitchen. That's why I just looked over. Um, and my chalkboard has written in big letters my, you know, my purpose across it. It then also has my um, values as well as my principles. So how do I hold myself accountable? Because um, that gives me a little bit of a checklist. So sometimes I can look at it and say, hmm, am I holding myself accountable for what I'm saying I really am going to do? And am I you know, showing up in the world that I say that I'm in the way that I say that I'm going to? How am I? How am I not? Um, when that's out of alignment, how do I react? And I just use that as kind of my own personal checklist. Um, from, I'd say, from a leadership perspective, a tool that I find really helpful is based off of um, West Point's leadership philosophies. And it's looking at what is your philosophies for a leader, um, as you as a leader, like what are those things that you truly believe in? Um, and it's what I like about it is it highlights two areas, the things that, you know, you expect of yourself, what you expect of others, um, but also those things that are considered your hot buttons, because we all have them. So it's being aware of those things that could potentially trigger you and letting your team know in advance. Um, and the other thing that I have is also a really simple framework that any team that I work with, I use. And it starts off with, you know, what is our overall mission as a team? What is our vision as a team? What do we want to create? And then once we have that set is really looking at how do we operationalize that? So what do we want to be known for, you know, by the organization? Um, what do we want to be proud of and how do we want to work together? Like, what are those things that we're going to hold each other accountable to? And then what is going to be our measure of success? And it's a really simple, basic framework. Um, but I try to do that with any team that I work with so we can keep that as a reference point and hold each other accountable. 
Wonderful. And does that give you energy? Does that give you really motivation by doing really this uh, on a daily basis? My check-ins for me personally definitely do, yes. And, and I would say that with the teams, knowing that we have a vision and we're working towards something um, definitely gives me energy. But more importantly, I've seen it help my team and it's helped my team thrive and to be proud and to see how they're part of something bigger and what they're working towards achieving. Because I think a lot of times organizations have these great mission and vision, but people don't realize how that applies to their everyday work. So if there's a way that you can take that and distill it down to how and why that's important to them, um, I have seen that produce great results and people achieve more than they ever thought they were capable of. Wonderful. But I also think that goes along with also helping them to not necessarily have any limits in place and allowing them to bring their best selves to work. You know what? I like what you said, something very interesting. And this is uh, doing those little things that you personally um, give you energy or excite you. It could be a little thing. It could be sometime going to a nice place, having a nice lunch or listening to a specific music or song that that can quickly uh, change the, the, the perspective or energy. I think mm -hmm. those little things that can give you this... Uh, and often we, we don't ask ourselves th this question, but uh, what excites you? You know, oh, deep yeah. down. And when you ask the, yourself, what excites you? And I want to hear it, what excites you? But, you know, also for, for our listeners to ask themselves, what excites you? Genuinely, we may not know immediately the answer. You may, not a few, you may know a few things if you're privileged. But eventually, as you feel that really excited, just... Real, you know, stop for a moment and, and think, huh, this is something I really like. I, it excites me and I'd love to do it again, you know, in, in the future. So what excites you so? So I think I just want to comment on something that you've said, because I want to build on that, that piece around what excites you. Mm -hmm. You've also commented on being of service. And I think when you figure out what excites you, share that with others. And that way you're sharing your passion, your knowledge, and you are potentially exciting somebody else as well. And maybe they'll get interested in it, or maybe they'll share back what they're excited about. And it can actually just create kind of this ripple effect. Um, but there's, I think there's lots of things that excite me, but probably the thing that excites me the most is when I'm able to share knowledge that I have and it helps someone. And when I can see people thriving and really enjoying themselves and being happy and being successful. Um, to me, there's no better feeling. Oh, this is so wonderful. And when you said what excites you, share it with others. As, uh, as my wife says, you know, good, you know, uh, leads to good. You know, it creates more goodness, you know, and create more inspiration um, in, in these times. What do you think we can... We, we can do or each, each one individually to promote the, the care culture, you know, to, you know, what, what is your take on it? If we had no limitations. Be the change that you want to see. You, you know what, you're the second uh, leader who says that. And, and I, I, com I completely uh, um, start with yourself, basically. Better change you. We're not here to change anyone. We're here. We can only do that to ourselves. And you can't. Then... You can't change anyone. And as much as you try, you can't. You can help somebody, <laughs> and you can help somebody find their way, but you cannot change anyone. I would, yeah. 
if if there's anybody out there who's been able to change someone, I would love it if they could let me know because I've I, I don't think you can. The only person that you can change is yourself. Love it. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Samantha, really thank you for, for your time. And uh, is there any anything you wish for the for the future? You know, for for more long term future. Oh, lots of things that I wish. I would love it if we could all, and I know this is very utopian, um, but I would love it if we could all spend time on discovering and knowing ourselves to therefore bring all of our unique gifts into the world and have a bigger impact on society. And I also think it's really important that we all find some way that we want to give back into our communities. And again, it doesn't have to be big. But maybe you're passionate about the environment, so you go do, I don't know, like a garbage pickup once a year, whatever that is. But find a way that you can contribute. And I'd encourage anybody who hasn't, look at the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, they're clearly laid out, but see how you might be able to impact one of those. Because if all of us, 7 billion people in the world, or was it 7.7 .7, um, billion, if we were able to all do something, just even one little thing, together we could change the world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the leaders who care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community, first by taking care of yourself and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.